And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. Welcome back to Sandy Creek Stirrings. Of course, I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. We are on our sixth week of episodes. Six weeks. Isn't that exciting? I hope you've been enjoying the podcast and been learning some things and being able to take some things out and use them and apply them to your life. And boy, I'm excited for the next six weeks of episodes that will be coming out. And I tell you what, we've got some exciting things planned, some things coming up. I've already been in talks with some gentlemen and some seasoned men of God about coming on the podcast and being interviewed. And so I'm looking forward to that. And boy, what an exciting time. We have planned for you, and not only for you, but for myself as well, here on the podcast on Sandy Creek Stirrings. And so, if you have any questions, let me remind you, you can always send in questions, maybe something you'd like to have answered, maybe something you'd like to discuss. You can always hop over to sandycreekstirrings.com. And you can go to our contact page and you can fill out that contact form and send that to me. Or you can, of course, contact us through Facebook, through the Messenger. Or you can just come see me. All right. And you can always come to Victory Springs Independent Baptist Church in High Springs, Florida. And so, yes, there's a shout out for my church. There's an advertisement. And take it as you may. But I tell you what. Looking forward to some great things we have on the podcast. And as I was saying, you can send those questions in if you have any to me through Facebook or through our website, sandycreekstirrings.com, and you can send those over at any time you'd like to. Today on the Apologetic Series, we're going to discuss a topic that truly is something you need to know. You need to know, you need to be able to prove for yourself the facts and the different things we're going to talk about today. As I studied this out and as I looked through some things, I realized that When I began to look at this, and this was, oh my goodness, a year and a half ago, two years ago, sometime in there, and um, it's something I knew already, but I needed to have a better foundation of it. I needed to study it out more. I needed to know more about it. I needed to be able to prove it better. And really, it was for myself. It wasn't so much for a debate. It wasn't so much because a a coworker had talked about it. And um, because, you know, subjects will come across your life in that fashion. But it wasn't so much any of those. It was one of those things I needed to study. And the subject was truly inspired. I had called a pastor, needless to say, long story, but I'd called him because he was preaching that the earth was millions of years old. And uh, a little crazy that he's preaching that the earth was millions of years old. And so I called him because I was trying to figure out if he still preached that, if he still believed that. And so I called him and was never able to get a hold of him, but his assistant did call me back and said he was speaking on his behalf. And so we were talking. He did still preach that the earth was millions of years old. But he also preached that um, some other things, that he didn't believe in tithing, he didn't believe in a bunch of different things, and we'll talk about tithing at some point in time in an apologetics lesson. But one of the things he mentioned that just absolutely shocked me, from a from a supposed independent fundamental Baptist guy, one of the things he said is that, I don't remember exactly how we got on the topic, but he said Christ is not in the Old Testament. Yeah, that that's exactly what I did. I just stopped. I was like, what? I... I, I 
you know, how do you answer that? Like, uh, you know, I haven't heard that from too many independent fundamental Baptists that Christ wasn't in the Old Testament. I, I've heard it from Jehovah Witnesses. I've heard it from Mormons. I've heard it from people who don't believe the Bible. I've heard it from Gnostics. I've heard it from, you name it, I've heard it from them. But, you know, one of us? Christ isn't in the Old Testament? And so our conversation finished up, and I walked away um, with several things I wanted to study out. But one of those things was I could prove Christ was in the Old Testament, but I needed a better knowledge of it. And so it was important to me. And so let's talk together. Is Christ in the Old Testament? Is Christ in the Old Testament? Now, there's really three views people take on this. Number one, um, some people believe he simply was not in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ was not in the Old Testament. He didn't speak. Um, he didn't appear. Um, blah, blah, blah. He just... Just he, he isn't he isn't there. He's not in the Old Testament, and uh, Jehovah Witnesses would take that view. Um, then the second view that people take is he was not there in body. He was not there in body. All right, so he was simply um, speaking. He's simply a reference to the Trinity. There's there's some prophetic references about him, but there is no bodily appearance of Jesus Christ. And then the third is that the Christ of the cross was not in the Old Testament because nobody knew his death was coming. Um, so this Christ that would have to die for us, this Christ that would be rejected of men, this Christ who would come the first time to set up, or to, um, to die, and the second time to set up his kingdom, they didn't know about that Christ, therefore the Christ of the cross is not in the Old Testament. Three different views. As I talked with that pastor, um, he originally started with the view that Jesus Christ is not in the Old Testament in bodily form. And then he slowly over time, he changed that from um, not necessarily that he wasn't there in bodily form, but that the Christ of the cross was not in the Old Testament. And he talked about that for a little while as well. And, of course, as I mentioned, this wasn't the pastor. This was the assistant pastor talking on his behalf. And uh, he said the pastor was sitting there in the room with him, which is weird that he wouldn't talk to me. But anyway, uh, that's besides the point. So Christ in the Old Testament, there's the three views. Let's talk about this, though, real quick. There are five things that you deny about Christ when you say he's not in the Old Testament. There are five things you deny when you say that Christ is not in the Old Testament. What are those things? Well, number one, you deny his deity. His deity. Now, if you have any, um, any biblical knowledge, you believe or should believe, if you've studied the Bible and believe the Bible for what it says, that Jesus Christ is God. All right, we believe the Trinity, which is, three, um, which is the three in one the Trinity, you've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These three are one. These three are one. You'll find evidence of that in 1 John chapter 5, in verse number 7. These three are one. Now, truly, can I wrap my brain, can I wrap my earthly brain around the Trinity? I'll be frank with you. No, I cannot. It, it doesn't make sense. How can Jesus Christ... Okay, the Bible says that we don't know the time of Christ's return. He'll return as a thief in the night. We don't know when he's going to return. In fact, the Bible says that not even the Son, Jesus Christ, he doesn't know when, when, God, when he's going to return. Only God the Father knows. Well, you think about it, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I can't wrap my brain around that. How does the same person divide it up? I don't know. But there are some things you have to accept by faith within Scripture. 
And I know that may sound a little difficult to some because you want to prove every single thing. And by the way, we can prove the doctrine of the Trinity out of the Word of God. We can prove that doctrine. Do I understand it all? No, I have to accept it by faith. Think about Jesus walking on water. You have to accept that by faith. Um, because, I mean, you think about it long enough, how, how did he walk on water? Like, were his feet completely on top of the water, or were they a little bit beneath the water? Well, did he, like, go up waves like they were, like, little hills, or did he just kind of walk through the waves? I mean, you know, how, how did that work? You think about that long enough, it is something you have to accept by faith. But by saying Christ is not in the Old Testament, you remove part of his deity, part of him being the Trinity. You say, how do you know that? Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Where do you find, what time period of the year do you find that phrase used on almost all Christian um, cards? You find them on Christmas cards, of course. It's talking about Jesus Christ. That's who this context, the context of the passage is referring to Jesus Christ. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. And notice the everlasting Father. The everlasting Father. The thing about God is he is everlasting. To say that God is the, not in the Old Testament and we're going to tie this in with the second thing you deny about the Old Testament, if you don't believe Christ is in the Old Testament, you are not only denying his deity, that he is God, because God has been there forever, but then secondly, you are denying that God is eternal. You are denying that God is eternal. God has always been. God will always be. And Jesus Christ, if he is God, must be everlasting as well. To say opposite would be not only to deny his deity, but it would deny his eternality as well. So you, by saying that Christ is not in the Old Testament, you remove part of his deity, you remove his eternality. All right. In fact, John chapter 8 and verse 58 says, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. That's what Jesus said of himself. Another great reference. We don't have time to go there today, but Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 17 is another great reference. Um, you deny his deity. You deny his eternality. You take away the very deity of Christ that he is God. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Um, God is speaking, and then in verse, verse 8, he says, unto the, unto the Son, thy throne, O God, is settled forever. God is speaking, and he refers to the Son as God. All right, so those are the first two things you deny when you deny Christ in the Old Testament. The third thing is you deny his unchanging character. His unchanging character. You probably know this verse, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ has always been the same. In fact, Malachi chapter 3.10 says, I change not. And jokingly, my father has used that um, verse to be the reason why he won't change diapers over the years is, you know, I change not. And so, of course, a verse out of context, but you get what he's saying. And, um, but Jesus Christ is the same today and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever, he doesn't change. By saying that he's not in the Old Testament, you deny that, well, he wasn't there yesterday. He wasn't there in the past. All right, number four, what do you deny? You deny his inability to lie. 
you deny his inability to lie. Jesus Christ said that he cannot lie according to Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2. We have a God who cannot lie. He cannot lie. He can't make stuff up. He can't lie. He's unable to. It's impossible for God to lie, but by saying he's not in the Old Testament is to call him a liar because, as you will find today, Jesus Christ said he was in the Old Testament. And then number five, you deny the very nature of his sacrifice. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his Son, but you'll find even more Incredible than that is God gave himself because he is the Son. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on that tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. God took himself, put himself in bodily, or was born of a virgin. You'll find he had a body before, a glorified body. All right, and we'll talk about that. But he was finally born into the world, took on that flesh. Yes, took on that flesh for you and me and died on a cross. God did that of himself. All right, so we have the three views, the five things you deny when you say Christ is in the Old Testament. Now let's break it down a little bit. Uh, Number one, where's the first reference to Christ? In the Bible, where is the first reference to Christ? Some would automatically jump to Genesis chapter 3, but that would not be true. You see, the first reference to Christ is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You say, well, that just says God. Yeah, but it says God created. A very specific part of God does the creating work. Who? Well, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For by him, and by the way this passage is talking about Jesus Christ, if you read the passage in context, as a reference to Jesus Christ. But Colossians chapter 1, 16 says, For by him, by Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. The very first reference to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament is, in fact, the the first verse of the Old Testament. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In fact, when they said, let us make man in our, talking about the plurality of God and that he has three parts, all right, the Trinity, let us make man in our image, he created us with three parts, body, soul, and spirit. He created us in three parts, but where did they get the template for that body? The hands, the arms, the legs, the two eyes, the nose. Where did they get that from? Why don't we have three arms? Well, they created it after the template of the body of Jesus Christ. And you say, Christ had a body in the Old Testament? He absolutely did. He absolutely did. You'll find, okay, so let's break down some keys to this real quick. Number one, no man hath seen God at any time, only the Son. John chapter 1 and verse 18 tells us that. No man has seen God. So, When we see a bodily appearance of Christ in the Old Testament, who are we seeing? If we can't see God, no man hath seen God at any time, but the verse finishes in John 1.18, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Who do we see? We don't see God, but we do see the Son. 
because Jesus Christ is the image of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, who is the image of the invisible God? God as a spirit is invisible. You cannot see spirits, but you can see God if you see Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. All right, he is the express image of God. So when we find instances where an Old Testament saint saw a physical God, who did they see? Well, they saw Jesus Christ. All right, so let's break that down. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 8, we find, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. Now, you need two things to walk, right? You need legs. So here we have an instance, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, where God has to have legs. He's walking. All right, Genesis chapter 12, in verse number 7, he appears to Abraham. The Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed I will give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Well, if we can't see God, who is a spirit, who did he see? He saw the express image of God. He saw Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 18, verse number 1, and we basically go down through verse number 8, you'll find, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. Now, basically, the author, who is Moses, he's writing, and he's basically giving a title of what's about to happen in this story. And he starts off with, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham in Mamre. That's the title. And then he's going to zoom in. He's going to focus in on what exactly is going on. And we zoom in the camera, and we find Abraham in verse number 2 is sitting in the door of his tent in the, th- in the heat of the day. He looks out, and he sees three men walking towards him. The Bible says he ran to meet them. He bowed himself down to the ground to see them, or to them. And he said, My Lord, If now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Now, sometimes they referred to other men. They referred to them as Lord, saying, I'm your servant. I'm here to serve you. What can I do for you, my Lord? But this passage is a little different because in verse number three, it's a capital L, referring to God, my Lord. How did Abraham know that this was God? I'll tell you why. Because in Genesis chapter 12, which is six chapters before, he had seen God. God had appeared unto him. And so when he saw Jesus Christ walking out there towards him, he said, hey, there's God. And he ran out to meet him, said, my Lord. You'll find that Abraham, I think this is an incredible passage, Abraham asks, he says, I pray you be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under a tree and I will fetch a morsel of bread. He said, let me give you some food to eat. It's been a long journey. And the Bible says in verse number 8, And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them, and he stood by them under a tree, and they did eat. You know what you need to eat? You need a stomach. You need teeth. You need a mouth. You need all those different things that are only contained in a what? A body. Spirits don't eat. You'll find when the disciples, when Jesus appeared to them in the upper room, they said, He's a spirit. And Jesus said, Have you anything here to eat? Because spirits don't eat. And you'll find Jesus had a body. He had a body. He eats. In Genesis chapter 32, and we won't go there, but um, he wrestles with Jacob. Jacob says, I I have seen God face to face. He wrestled. Hey, you got to have a body to wrestle. 
He appears to Joshua at Jericho in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. He says, I am the captain of the Lord of hosts. He appears in front of the walls of Jericho to Joshua. I think one of the greatest evidence of a bodily appearance of Christ is in Daniel 3.23 through verse 28. We've got the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Of course, they wouldn't bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar. And so Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown into the fiery furnace. And here's what Nebuchadnezzar said. Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Is like the Son of God. Now, a bodily appearance in the Old Testament is referred to If you were to go to Bible college and they refer to different things, it would be referred to as a theophany, a theophany, a bodily appearance of Christ. Now, Christ, of course, is all throughout the Old Testament, not just bodily, but speaking and pictures and things of that sort. You'll find Zechariah chapter 12, and you can go there in in your own time, but Zechariah chapter 12 and verse number 10, um, and correspond that with John chapter 19, verse 36, we know that every time you see the all caps Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, in the, New, in the Old Testament, it's a reference to Christ. All right, so very quickly, let's break down the last little bit. If um, Christ appeared there in body, number one, we just broke the view that he's not there. Number two, we just broke the view that he's not there in bodily form. But then number three, what about that Jesus Christ of the cross not being in the Old Testament? Let me take you to a passage, Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now, this is talking about the Messiah that would one day come. He is despised and rejected of men. Sounds to me like he knew he'd be rejected. Sounds to me he's telling in the Old Testament about his rejection. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Remember, this is the man who knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane and was praying, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Sweat great drops of blood in grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. You see, they believed that they were doing God's work by smiting him because he was a blasphemer. He's smitten of God, and God is the one who should punish him. Oh, that was that was prophesied in the Old Testament. Notice this, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The Christ that would be beaten, hey, he's in the Old Testament. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all, the Christ that would be the Lamb of God, as John said, that would take away the sin of the world. This was that Christ in the Old Testament. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He didn't answer to Pilate. He didn't answer to the high priest. The Bible said that he opened not his mouth. He answered none. Hmm. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. Meaning, he died. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked. 
and with the rich in his death. You remember that he was buried in a rich man's tomb, a borrowed tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. He was buried with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pledge of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 12, And he was numbered with the transgressors. Remember, he was crucified with two thieves. A thief was let go instead of him, Barabbas. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. The Christ that would be rejected and beaten. Oh, he's in the Old Testament. It says in Psalm 41, 9 that he'd be betrayed by a familiar friend. Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12 says that he'd be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Psalm 22, verses 1 through 2 talk about how he would open his mouth and say nothing. Psalm 22, of course, being a messianic psalm, a prophecy of Christ. Psalm 22, verses 7 through 8, says that he would be mocked. Psalm 22, verse 15, says that they, he would thirst and they would give him vinegar. Psalm 22, verses 17 through 18, predicted, prophesied, that they would gamble over his garments below the cross. Psalm 34, verse 20, prophesies that he'd have no broken bones. Isaiah chapter 50, and verse number 6, says that his beard would be ripped off. Yes, the Christ of the Old Testament... Yeah, we do have a Christ there who would be rejected, who would be beaten, who would die, who would be a sacrifice, who would be the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. He is in the Old Testament. You see, there's over 300 prophecies, over 300 prophecies that Christ fulfilled when he came to earth. Not only the prophecies about how he would be rejected, how he'd be betrayed, how he'd be um, 30 pieces of silver, all those things we just mentioned. But then all the prophecies about how he'd be born in Bethlehem, how he'd be born of a virgin, um, how the Herod's murderous rampage would take place during his birth, uh, the gifts would be brought to him, um, that he would enter Jerusalem on a young donkey, that he would heal people, that he'd walk on water, that he'd calm the storm. All of those things were prophesied. Jesus Christ fulfilled over 300 prophecies. Let me put it to you this way. To fulfill eight prophecies... For someone to fulfill eight prophecies, by the way, a lot of these prophecies were written hundreds of years before Christ. Isaiah's prophecies, all of Isaiah 53, 700 years before Christ entered the scene. The chances of that happening are 1 in 10 to the 16th power. 1 in 10 to the 16th power, 10 with 16 zeros behind it. That's eight prophecies. To fulfill 48 prophecies, the chances are 1 in 10 to the 157th power. That's 10 with 157 zeros behind it. All right, Jesus Christ fulfilled how many? Over 300. Here's the deal. If you are a gambler, and hopefully you're not a gambler, we're going to have an apologetics lesson on that. If you're a gambler, those are odds you would not take. You would not take those odds because they have no chance of coming true. Jesus Christ fulfilled 300. He is the Messiah. He is the man who has prophesied that he would die, that he'd be rejected, that he'd be beaten, that he'd be put on a cross. The Christ of the cross is in the Old Testament. Let me finish with this. Remember how I said you deny his inability to lie if you say Christ is not in the Old Testament? Because Christ believed he was in the Old Testament. He believed that. In fact, he said as much. Luke chapter 24, verse 13, the Bible says, And behold, two of them 
that went the same day to the village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three square furlongs, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. If you remember, down the Emmaus road were two disciples walking. Jesus Christ appears to them in verse number 15. And he says in verse 17, and he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another? As ye walk and are sad. And the one of them, whose name was Clepas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they began to tell him all the things that had happened, and how he was crucified, how Jesus, their Savior of the world, was crucified. And so they tell him of all these things that happen. And verse number four, he begins to talk, or verse 44, the Bible says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. This is Christ's statement that he is in the Old Testament. He opened and alleged out of the books of Moses. Wow, what are the books of Moses? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and pretty much all of Deuteronomy. Wow. 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 By saying Christ is not in the Old Testament, you look at Jesus Christ himself and say, Hey, I don't know what you're trying to allege to me and what you're opening from Moses to try and show me, but you're not in the Old Testament. We shouldn't call God a liar. Amen. God is true. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Christ is in the Old Testament. He was there. He did appear bodily, and the Christ of the cross is in the Old Testament. So, I hope that clears some things up for you. I know it cleared some things up for me after talking with really, and I'm not ashamed to say it, really talking with a wacko. And uh, so, you know, Christ is in the Old Testament. Something you need to know. Now, I'm looking forward to next uh, next Tuesday for our apologetic series and uh, looking forward to something we're going to talk about. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to leave you hanging on a cliff until next week. But until then, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ. 